Hey guys, welcome back to the Secret Language Podcast. It's me, Jesse. Uh, happy, I guess, Tuesday. Um, I'm recording this on Monday. Um, so you're probably listening to this on Tuesday or later. Uh, hope you guys had a great week, a great weekend. Uh, last week was particularly great for me and my family. Um, Wednesday was my mom's very last chemo treatment, which based on her type of cancer and uh, her being at stage one, she's considered cancer-free after her last day of chemo, which means that as of Wednesday, my mom is officially cancer-free. Um, that's, that's such great news. It's something that's meant a lot to us. It's been pretty much all year we've been dealing with that. It's not quite over yet, but my mom is cancer-free. So we're very thankful for that. Thank you to everyone that's reached out to me and that's kept my family in your prayers. It means a lot to us. Um, last week end, I also got to go to Texas to go watch my brother-in-law Jimmy get married. Um, I'm very proud of him and I love him a lot. It was a beautiful wedding. So it's it's been a really great week for me. Hopefully you've had a great week. Hopefully you'll still have a great week. So welcome to my positivity. Um, this week I want to talk about, uh, funny enough, a line that I heard in a YouTube video that I've been thinking about, and I, I've come to some pretty neat conclusions that I'd like to share. Um, I want to give you a little bit of background on this. Um, my favorite creator on YouTube uh, is John Boys, spelled J-O-N-B-O-I-S. Um, to call him a sports writer uh, it's, it, it doesn't give him a lot of credit. He is, he is a storyteller. Uh, hell of practically all the stories he has to tell are sports based and they are stories of the weird and the wacky and of even big picture things. Um, on his personal channel, he had a series of YouTube videos that were titled pretty good. A series of videos where he told stories that were pretty good. Um, they're very, very entertaining. He has a really unique visual style on top of the way that he tells stories and tells them on screen. That's very entertaining to watch. I think he's really funny. Of course, it's a very dry humor, which is why I think it's very funny, but um, he also works for SB Nation. Well, what used to be SB Nation, now is Secret Base. Uh, they, they do a lot of sports stuff. He, um, most recently, the big success was this, like, six-part documentary on the history of the Seattle Mariners. There's, like, a supercut edition of it on YouTube where they took all the videos and they, you know, compiled it into one. And it's, like, just under four hours long. But it's super entertaining. It's well told. It won awards. I mean, it's, it's great. Um... If you follow me on Twitter, you've probably seen things that I've retweeted of John's because I just find him, his Twitter's really dry and hilarious. So he's, he's a guy that I like a lot. I, I like his stuff. Um, most recently, he's put out a couple videos where he's doing a very similar thing as the history of the Seattle Mariners. Instead, he's doing a history of the Atlanta Falcons 
the NFL franchise. And in the first video, he's talking about one of the head coaches that was there for a while at the beginning of the franchise um, and how the dude was kind of a rough guy. He was a great quarterback when he was a player, and now as a coach, he's not having a lot of success. The team was really bad. He openly stood up at a press conference and dared anyone to start a fist fight with him on the spot. Um, he was pretty rough hombre. But after he was fired, it, it came to light that, yeah, he, he seemed like a rough dude, and he was rough on the players and didn't really seem to care about anything, that every day after practice he would go visit a, 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 a sick Atlanta Falcons fan, a little kid, go visit him every single day. John delivers this line and says, nobody is ever just one person. And that line stuck with me. I've been thinking about it uh, for about a week now, for as long as I've, as I've seen that video, I've been thinking about that line. Nobody is ever just one person. And I think it's a really interesting line. And I think it offers a lot of things to think about because it's, uh, I guess I'll just explain it as I go. Um, I think, I think it's just neat. I think it kind of reminds me of the first line of the great Gatsby where the narrator, Nick Carraway is saying, in my younger years, my father gave me some advice that I've been turning over in my mind ever since. Remember that not everyone has had the advantages in life that you have. Um, it's kind of similar to that. Nobody is ever just one person. It's like, what is, what does that mean? What, what are we supposed to make out of that sentence? Um, Nobody's ever just one person means that uh, we are multiple people, that we contain multitudes, that we are uh, multifaceted individuals. So I, I think there's two ways to look at this phrase. One of them is uh, as far as we think of other people, and then I think we can also turn this back on ourselves and think about this phrase very introspectively and come to some really neat conclusions on both sides. So just... On the one hand, let's say no one's ever just one person. How do we apply that and how do we think about that as as it goes to other people in our lives? Um, I think it's some great advice to remember that nobody is ever just one person. Uh, we have a tendency in our lives to really just treat other people like they're background characters in our lives. Um to treat them as 2D and just surface level individuals, which is unfair to them. It's untrue because we are all complicated. We are all human beings. Um, there's This goes on a couple different levels. Um, Marcus Aurelius and the meditations, this is of course going back to the Stoic thing, because of course I am, but he, he writes about thinking of our enemies or people that we dislike, think about them doing normal everyday things like eating, going to the bathroom, sleeping. It, it helps us to realize that they are just normal people, just like us. Um, people around us, whether that's people that we don't know at all or people that we like kind of know through work or just some general association, they are not... 2D characters. They're not just 
you know, these people that exist in our lives for short little interactions or just background characters, they, they're people. And, and of course it's like, oh yeah, of course, Jesse, people are people, but we have a tendency to not treat them that way. I have a general rule that I don't get road rage. I don't tell somebody off while I'm in my car. If, if I get cut off or someone's kind of driving a little recklessly, I have tried to make a habit out of saying, have a great day out loud to myself, because what good is it going to do for me to, to get all upset at a person who can't hear me and that I'm never going to meet again? Um, but if I put myself, if I really just think about it, that person had to wake up in their own bed and get up and make breakfast and get dressed and leave for work just the same way I did. And they're probably just as anxious about getting to work as I am or trying to get home to their families and whatever it is that this person is really not much different than I am. So why should I, I get mad at them? What kids are going to do? But I think it, this, this more applies to people that we really interact with that we are, we need to treat other people with respect because they are people just as much as we are. Um, you know, I, I've been saying, you know, we got to treat them like people. You got to treat people uh, as good as anyone else. And that's not really the idea. The idea is I don't treat strangers as well as I treat anyone or that I treat all people the same way. Like that's, that's not really completely doing it justice. It's, it's about, treating other people as important and as human as I think that I am. And I think that is really the trick because I could say, oh, I treat all people the same and I could treat everyone horribly and that doesn't make me a good person just because I treat everyone horribly. I should treat every person and suspect that every person is as important as I think that I am. And I think that's really the key is that we need to interact with people and think of people as human and as flawed and as amazing, even as we are, that people are no different than us. I feel like I'm beating this drum, but it's, it's, it's something that everyone has had a problem with for a really long time. I mean, that, that is like a fundamental human problem is this like us versus them mentality. But if we, if we can create this plane in our minds that I exist on and everyone exists on, then we can start being kinder people. We can be more considerate. We just become better people. Um, I think this applies even to Christianity. Um, I was talking with Ben Keen a while ago. For those of you that have actually listened to this podcast pretty consistently, I had an episode with Ben Keen um, over a year ago, probably about a year and a half ago now. But I was talking with Ben, and we were talking about Christianity and uh, even theology a little bit. And he made a comment about Calvinism that I had never heard made, and I think is actually an excellent point. So Calvinism, Calvinism has these like five tenets, these five pillars. It's usually denoted with the, the abbreviation TULIP. Well, one of, the, one of their tenets is total depravity. That, that human beings are totally depraved and there's nothing that we can do to achieve our salvation, uh, which in some way is actually true. 
Um, we don't do anything to achieve our salvation. But the point that he was trying to make with this is that Calvinists maybe do a better job of putting enough importance on other people than maybe traditional Christians do. Like, like even like Church of Christ Christians do. We, we have a tendency to look at other people, people in the world in particular, and say, man, they need Jesus. They need Jesus more than I do. I mean, look at their life. Look at how, how sinful they are, how, how messy their lives are. And, and I'm, I'm put together. They need Jesus more than I do. And that is totally and completely wrong. It's totally and completely wrong to think that other people need Jesus more than I do, or that I am better off than other people. Um, if it weren't for the grace of God, everybody's sentence is the same. It doesn't, I, I need Jesus and his grace and I need salvation from God the same way everyone else does. And me being a Christian or me being baptized does not change that. And, and it just kind of reminded me of that, you know, thinking about this, this point of treating everyone on the same level that just reminded me of that. I think putting everyone on an equal plane is super important because you know, we, we need to treat other people with respect. We want to be good people. If we want to influence them and we want to be kind, you know, if, as a Christian, if you're trying to put on Christ and you're trying to be a, a good example all the time, you have to treat people well. You have to treat them like they're people, like they matter. You have to treat them as important as you think you are. Um, and so I've beat that, that, that dead horse so much that I'm sure you've probably skipped through most of this, but I, I, I find that super important. It's something that I forget all the time. And I've been trying to remind myself constantly this week as I've been thinking about this. Nobody's ever just one person. People are more complex than they think. Uh, just for an example, you know, this weekend we were at Sarah's brother's wedding. And I ran in, of course, Sarah's dad was there. For those of you that don't know, Sarah's parents were divorced. And I've been in a relationship with Sarah for almost five years. And I've interacted with her dad very, very little. And it's been a common theme through that time that he pretends like he doesn't know my name and that he's just kind of standoffish with me. But at the wedding, he was very, very kind to me. He was very open. He made more of an effort to get to know me and to speak to me more than he has for four and a half years. Um, and so it was, it was a reminder to me that no one's ever just one person. The, the rough guy that I didn't really like that pretended like he didn't know me is also a person and also has the ability to surprise me for the better. And it was just a really humble reminder of that. So that's, that's how we can kind of take that phrase and turn it on to other people and the way that we treat other people. But I think it also has a really important view back to us, the way that we view ourselves. Um, and this is where I think this, this phrase is imperfect because it feels paradoxical to me. The way that I see it is I want to treat other people like they are multifaceted and that they can wear different hats in different situations. But at the same time, thinking 
for and about myself, I don't want to wear different hats in different situations. I don't want to be, you know, different people. I want to be consistent. I want to be one person. And I want everyone that knows me, whether that's from church or from work or, you know, people that knew me back at home or buddies from college, I want these people to know one version of Jesse, not four different versions of Jesse trying to piece that together. I want to be consistent and I need to be consistent. That's, that's kind of the whole trick to life. Um, so this, this kind of turns both ways on me. I think to be a good, a good person, a good Christian, a good, good stoic is, means that we have to be consistent with ourselves. We have to build on ourselves every single day. And if we're, if I'm running around acting one way at home and then one way at work and then one way at church, then I'm not being consistent. I'm not growing. I'm not becoming a better person. So I have to try to not be just one person. I, I, I want to be just one person. I need to be consistent. It's, you know, if, if you're trying to perfect a recipe for chocolate chip cookies, you don't try a different recipe every time. You, you, you stick with one and then you tweak it minorly and then you build on one thing and you do it right. If I'm trying to perfect chocolate chip cookies, but I make chocolate chip cookies and oatmeal raisin cookies and snickerdoodles, like you're not going to perfect one thing. You're just, you're just doing a bunch of things bad. So this phrase kind of turns on me. I'm not exactly sure what to make of it. I think it's, it's a great food for thought, but I don't think it's something to necessarily like live by or to like really marry yourself to, but it's something I've been thinking about and it's something that I'd like to share with you guys that listen. And I, and I want to challenge you to think that way, just to spend at least just one day and, and for everyone you meet, consider nobody's ever just one person. Consider that other people are just as well-rounded as you are and that are just as human and that they have more to offer than, than what meets the eye. It's kind of about seeing the good in other people. And it can likewise be to see that other people are flawed and that people aren't perfect. Just like I'm not perfect. Just like you're not perfect. Um, I don't know. I just want you to try that for a day. See what happens. See if you treat people differently when you, when you start considering them as more well-rounded than the 2D image that we often think of people with. So try that. See what it does. Uh, it could be nonsense. I don't know. That's just kind of what I've been thinking for the week. And I thought it was worth sharing, I guess. Now to the fun stuff. You know, the stuff that I know that you really care about listening to, you know. What's the best movie I watched this week or the news from Watford football club. Um, the best movie I watched this week. Now that one, this is an honest to goodness surprise. I had no idea that I would ever say this, but the best movie I watched this week is called pig. It's a 2021 film starring Nicolas Cage, which is also something that I never thought I'd say out loud. Um, it's a new movie. And the movie was pitched to me by a friend saying that it's like John Wick, except with Nicolas Cage and a kidnapped pig. And I was like, wow, sounds like it's horrible. I'll, I'll watch it. Um, I, I was wrong. 
I was totally and completely surprised by it. I think that the film as a whole is pretty grounded. And there's some weird stuff in there for sure. But I think all in all, it's pretty grounded in some form of reality where, you know, it makes sense and it's well-written and Nick Cage isn't ridiculous the whole time. I mean, the character is kind of a little crazy, but Nick Cage gives a realistic performance. That could be a real person walking down the street. I mean, it does well. The ending is surprisingly profound and beautiful. It's it's well shot. It's well written. It's the, it's the best reviewed film that Nick Cage has ever been in on Rotten Tomatoes, which is uh, surprising because not every, not every Nick Cage movie is uh, that high quality. So it's on Amazon prime. Uh, it's not free on prime. It's like a $7 early access rental, but it was good. It was, it was surprisingly, surprisingly good. Um, news from Watford football club. Okay. So this week, Watford played away at Brighton and Hove Albion. Um, I felt really confident about this match, especially coming after coming off of that 3-2 victory over Aston Villa at home. Going on the road to a team like Brighton, I thought, sweet, we 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 can win this match. Um, not what happened. Watford lost 2-0 on the road. Um, really disappointing loss. So on, on one hand, we had some injuries that we did not have in week one. So Kuchka in the midfield, kind of a defensive honey batter of sorts. Uh, he was out and he made a really big impact. We, we had five midfielders that were injured or otherwise unavailable. So we had an entire section of our team that we, we didn't have. And they, they it showed. Uh, Brighton pressed... The whole time they really rattled rattled the guys and it showed and it took the new manager Cisco Munoz uh, very long much longer than really he needed to to make some changes to really start trying to change the tide of the game uh, in the 10th minute off of a corner kick Brighton score their first goal I mean it was a brilliant header right in the top corner I mean there's really not much Watford could have done about that. It was, it was a solid, solid goal. Really great. Um, second goal came in the 42nd minute. That one was ugly. That was just completely poor. Um, it was coming off of a free kick. Goalie, you know, rolls it out to one of our, our defenders on the back, back line. And just, just that, that guy just delivers a completely lazy pass into the midfield that just gets picked off. The The guy who picked off the pass had to beat one defender and basically had an empty net to deal with. I mean, it was completely, completely preventable. It was horrible. Um, really, really bad. So second half, about the 60th minute, there were some tactical changes, some substitutions that really started bringing... Watford back into the match. They had some good shots, some good attacking chances, but none of them came to anything. So hence the 2-0 loss. But 
it was kind of a reality check for what the season's going to be. Starting the season with a 3-2 victory over Aston Villa is like, wow, and we can really, we're really good. And then you lose to, to, to Brighton, who has played very well so far this season. I mean, we're only two weeks in, but they they sit like third in the table right now. They've won both of their matches. Uh, they've they played really, really well. But I think if Watford plays the way they should, at, at worst, they lose that match 1-0. And they don't give up that second goal. And at worst, they lose 1-0. I think they had the chance to win it. I think if they played, had a midfield and played better defense, uh, we could have mitigated that one goal. We could have actually attacked and scored. Uh, it, it was pretty disappointing. And it's a little scary with uh, the next Premier League fixture being a Tottenham Hotspur. But that's, that's, a, that's a scary deal. Um, that is a very big club with a lot of firepower. Like if Watford plays sloppy like they did this week, they're they're going to get completely steamrolled. They have to. What I'd like to see is I'd like I'd like to see the defense really come together. I'd like you know the back line not to get picked apart. Got to help Daniel Bachman somehow in goal. Like got to give him some support. Uh, the counterplay was really slow. There weren't a lot of great opportunities getting the ball into Ismail Lasar or Emmanuel Dennis. It was it was just a rough match. So hopefully uh, we can figure some stuff out this week and next Sunday. Hopefully we don't get completely steamrolled. So we'll see. Um, I'm still I'm still optimistic about the season. I mean, after two weeks, Watford are sitting on three points. With negative one goal differential, we're sitting 12th on the table, which is perfectly mid-table. That is, if we finish 12th at the end of the season, I will be completely over the moon. So, um, But I think there's a reality check this week that it's going to be a long season. we got to get our points where we can. We can't be giving up easy goals. We can't you know, throw away matches to teams that finish at 16th, 17th on the table. Last year, they barely avoided relegations themselves. We've got to you know really pull it together and play better so hopefully that goes well we'll see what it do um ragnar is in like four weeks still getting things figured out with that i I still plan on making the movie which i'm very excited about i'm thinking about it a lot that's really all that's been going on i'm on a work trip right now so if the audio sounds a little different than